0: Welcome to the mic on Much Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vierman. We are here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, we got a big episode today. Our featured guest is the legendary Reba McIntyre. Uh, she's got a new record out right now called Revived, Remixed, Revisited. It is like a three-disc set. You get it. It's got a remix. It's got all sorts of stuff. Uh, very cool. We talked to her in a bit, which was a really fun conversation. Uh, but before we get to her... Guys, there's lots going on. We all saw each other recently at the Raptors' home opener. First time uh, an official uh, NBA season basketball game has been played in well over 500 days. It was magical. It was emotional. We were all in the building. Uh, and then, of course, there's some funny stuff going on in the news, which we will get to. What do you want to start with, Max? You're the producer.
1: <laughs> Ooh, I think we start with uh, Wednesday night. It was, it's was. been really fun to have uh, action back in the city. Um, I, you know, obviously our Kells had a chance to be a part of the Leafs home opener and I was graciously offered tickets, uh, to the basketball game, uh, from our friends Luana and Brent, who, who listened to the pod. So huge. Thank you for Shout out. inviting me. Shout out to them. We had an amazing time and their suite, And I invited Mike and I got to say, you know, Mike, you reached out two months ago. Uh, <laughs> basically as soon as the word got out that the Raptors were going to be back in Toronto, Mike's like Uh, Max, you know, I would only do this for very special circumstances. I'm poking around right now. I'm throwing out a a line to literally anybody I know who might have a ticket. Uh, You know, so if you find one, I'd love to be your plus one. I'm just going to put up my hand. And you know what? I appreciate that, Mike, because if you were poking around for every freebie ever, I wouldn't take it seriously. But this this is the only time you would do it. Because it does mean that much to you. And I felt uh, I felt especially good about uh, inviting you. Well, immediately I felt like you were the, the one and only person that should be coming to this event. Mm, that's uh, that's nice. It, it really rang true, though, when the Raptors were down by about 17 points with three minutes to go and we hit a shot. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. That's Raptors basketball, baby. And he's, and he's like not even talking to me. It wasn't even like a show for somebody else. It was like just his inner monologue outside. I'm like, he's looking around, I'm like, this man is obsessed, and and but more than obsessed,
2: he's in love, and uh, and I'm very. Happy that whole crowd though was in love, and that was a playoff atmosphere for such a terrible basketball game.
1: It was crazy. <laughs> it, was so it, was, it, was, it was it was a brutal game, but the crowd was so lit. And it was the middle of the week, too. It was like a Wednesday or something, right? Like, yeah. people were just like on fire. It was, and you know, I got to say, like, you know, I know that the trope is that, like, all the the suits go to the Leafs games and it's like a super white crowd, but the, the Raptors game is so much more fun and lively. And I got to say, like, that was the case. You, you I was able to. You did aim. both. I did you, both. You,
0: you are uniquely qualified to speak on the Leafs uh, home opener, return to Toronto, and the Raptors. You were at both. And, uh, Yeah, there was a difference.
1: Yeah, I wish. I mean, obviously, basketball offers different things than hockey does, and 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 a great hockey game is you know a playoff hockey game is like is about as intense as it gets. But they gotta they gotta figure that out. I know there's just so much money involved uh, when it comes to like you know you know the, the corporate buyers or whatever for a Scotiabank arena lease game but uh, it would just be f- more fun if it if it just felt lively like you know you, you see stuff that happens like master square garden or in philly or whatever I, I just want that juice and the raptors had that juice so that was cool well of course uh shaney was
0: also there uh and so shane was. was sitting uh yeah of <laughs> course he was but what was wild is so like uh, uh, maxi your friends were kind enough uh, uh to to let us into the box um brent and Luana. Uh, we were in the box at one point we were talking and then Luana comes up and she was like i thought i recognized that voice and that was when she revealed uh, that she was a pod listener and i was like oh that's like amazing this is so this is crazy i was like actually shane our pop culture aficionado he's also here in the building he's actually weirdly their seats are just below our box so they're kind of like in our section she's like oh my god that's like so cool she's like tell him to come by come in and have a drink or whatever i'm like great but Shane was with three of our other uh, dear friends, uh, Juggy and Pops, who we do uh, The Pedestal with. And of course, Mark Myers, Director Extraordinary, has done a bunch of our Kells videos. So when we go down in like at halftime or whatever, it might be like the second or third quarter, um, I bring Shane Ch- Ch- and the boys a couple beers because, you know, they're free in the box. Uh, and then I'm like, actually, like Luannu and Brent, they listen to the pod. And I didn't know, Shane, if at that moment you were going to abandon your, 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 your brethren and come up to the box. <laughs> were you conflicted at all about, fuck, I kind of want to go with Mike and Max or I stay here?
2: No, I, c- I couldn't leave them. And and often when people are fans of the pod, and then it's like, oh, Shane's here. They don't really care about Shane. And the case in point- That's not wh- true. It's, it Come is, on. oh my goodness.
1: I,
0: Shaniacs are the most passionate listeners out there.
2: They are, but not there's not a lot of them out there. They're few and far between. <laughs> and Shaniacs usually don't even like Max. That's the thing, because they just think I have a hate on for Max because I'm always picking on him on the podcast. But just to give an example of this- At one point, Max and Mike were getting a photo taken with pod fans, and then Ash rushed out to get me. She goes, oh, there's pod fans out there. They want a photo. And it was a cool look for me because people around were like, oh, who is this guy? And Myers and Pops were like, oh, man, people actually care about the podcast and they want to be in a photo with you. I went down. These people did not want any part of me. They did not want in the in the photo. <laughs> <That's not true. laughs> they, they did not say hello. They did not say goodbye. They did not make eye contact with me. I'm telling you, these people were fans of the podcast, but did not give two shits about me.
1: Uh, okay. Th- you, th- there might be some truth there. I don't know. But what I would also say is that like, I am a professional gladhander. Mike is also very good at it. Um, you have an intimidating look about it, and you are sort of more left of center. You have like you look a little more intimidating if I'm just a normal person. You're also just
0: more you're you're a little more quiet than Max Yeah, you're little Yeah,
1: you're less forthcoming. And well, if you're a uh, fan, so maybe... get
2: excited. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Raptors fans are great. If these pod fans could be half as enthusiastic as that Raptors crowd, I'd feel comfortable. But if I walk I, down, I, would... I just want to, Shane, oh my goodness, he's here. Something. There was dead silence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, but I would also just say your
2: look is also just intimidating.
0: I remember it as a far more mm-hmm. sort of jovial interaction.
2: Because they were interacting with you, Mike. <laughs> it's different with you and max they don't like me <laughs>
1: um yeah we we did have an awesome time though um we uh i want to give a shout out to my boy afram pristine who runs cheese boutique who's a former guest of the pod he has a new yeah. shop in the Scotiabank arena where you can pick up grilled cheese and and macaroni and cheese and that was awesome uh the nut was there that was fun to see him um, but yeah, so we uh ended up going to a pub after the and it was great because you know, obviously, you're my boys, but I have come to know Mark Myers, director Mark Myers, very, very well because he works on so much Arkell's, um, content, and also our friend John Popolis, who's married to Sarah Carpentier, who I went to high school with, uh, who's a friend of yours, you do work with him as well. Um, And it it basically kind of turned into like a wedding speech, would you say? Like everybody had to kind of go around the table and say what each other means to them.
2: (laughs) It was kind of awesome. It It was like, well, Well, I thought so. I don't think it ever got to me. (laughs) It would basically, it would get to Mike (laughs) and go, thank you very much. And then someone else would change the subject. And I'm always just waiting there to be like smiling like an asshole trying to be humble but it never came to me like yeah, no one we said one around... good thing about me <laughs> it was a rough night for <laughs> me in on. general in terms of adulation <laughs> and praise. you
1: were kind of quiet by the end of the night you weren't really saying much i guess maybe maybe because you kept on getting skipped over
0: we, well i remember just asking who was the most high maintenance i remember those questions like the idea of like who's the most high maintenance person in the and then we would sort of get into working relationships and then we were just talking about how like Ash is extraordinary at everything, and she could 100% like produce a movie. And you know, it, it was there was a love fest there for sure. But I, I do, I do, we were going around the table and saying, say something well, nice. We
1: were kind of like saying, like, what's what, what does this person like to work with? Or what, what's this person's oh, best quality? Yeah, yeah. Like we're, yeah, yeah. So maybe we missed you, yeah. Shane. Um, but uh, <laughs> maybe, but it was very fun. Yeah, it, it, it was great. Uh, hey, Shane, um, you last week on the pod, mm-hmm. you said that you didn't believe that I edit my own TikToks. Um and first of all, I do all my own TikToks,
2: and why did you say that? Okay, hmm. uh, <laughs> nice segue, it was because it's my form of giving <laughs> you a compliment, no it's it's as if someone said, who, I don't know, who who wrote that song, and you're like, I did, it's like, I can't believe it, and it's it's a testament mm. to how good you are at editing, and how far you've come, and the ideas are a lot more solid, and they're less half-baked, and They have more purpose and they're less arbitrary. It's it's good. I think you found your voice on TikTok. Thank you. Yeah, it feels like I have a better feel for it now. Okay. I appreciate that. Hey, has the app bugged But but, but Hold on. That
0: that was really, really, really nice. And Max, I I feel like we're a few days overdue here for you to say something nice about Shane.
2: Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, you also said you had a bone to pick with me. So maybe let's start with one of them and then go to the other. I think that was The Bone. Why? Th- that. Oh, that was it. Okay, let's get to the uh, yeah, praise yeah. then. Not to put you on the spot. I'm <laughs> sure you have nothing because you are put on the spot here. No, 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 Shane. Mm. Uh,
1: you have uh, the finest comedy mind I know. And I, I don't think I have to even tell you that because I feel like I've said that many times before. And uh, your level of analysis um, is always nuanced in a very particular way to you. It's, it's like, I don't, I think I don't hear you regurgitating somebody else's hot take. You, cause I feel like I do that a lot where I'm like, oh, like my opinion is just like an amalgamation of something that like book club Maddie told me or Mike told me mm-hmm. or I read in the newspaper that that's what I do normally. If I'm giving like hot takes on stuff, you always come at it in a very original way. And, uh, and that could be, uh, not only for like, you know, comedy, but also just like any other sort of like conversation we're having on pop culture. We got into the Chappelle special uh the other night. We were talking about all sorts of stuff. And, uh, you know, you you always have an awesome angle to it. So, yeah, I, th- I think your, your mind works in uh, in different ways th- than
2: mine and most people. Well, people are going to wonder our takes on it. But I think it's, it's almost such a hot button thing that it's hard to really get into. But I will say I did not like the special. Not mm-hmm. one iota. There you go, and that's that. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, we we're, well, it's so I funny that you open the, the Chapelt.
1: Uh, you
2: know, <laughs> the nuances we did. <laughs> we did like an
0: hour on this at the pub, to, like it breaking down uh, uh, sort of his position, how the, the harm it could do to the trans community. Like we, we got really nuanced in the pub over drinks, but I feel like because it is such a hot button controversial uh, topic right now, we're talking about Chappelle's latest special on Netflix, uh, controversial special. So many people have written about it and talked about it ad nauseum that I think you can find that conversation in spaces that are more thorough than...
2: You know what I mean?
1: They, yeah, they're, no, they're no yeah. Here.
2: Enough, uh, enough of other people can discuss it. It, it was but, yeah. interesting though. You today you put a tweet about the Chappelle special in our group. It was like he had heard our conversation and regurgitated my thing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah,
0: I well, actually well. The idea of regurgitating somebody else's thoughts uh, gets me back a little bit because I want to give a shout out to our, our friend, Jr. Diggs. He has been DMing. He seems to be, I don't know if he's just a master at you know, uh, dusting up controversy where maybe there is none, but uh, <laughs> we were talking about the, uh, the who's the bad art friend, Don Dorlin Sonia Larson story. Uh, and then Shane later in the episode, uh, he asked the question, where did the yak back gag come from? Max explained, Ash wrote it. Shane's like, okay, I've been doing that forever. It appeared in my film, Cox, uh, Cop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's my other film, Mike. Uh,
0: <laughs> His film, Cops. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> His short film, cops, uh, but he failed to to mention that the reason it, it aired nationally in Canada is because it debuted years ago on, on JR Diggs' late night show. Is that correct? Is that accurate, Shaney? Is that why J.R. is upset?
2: Well, he thinks I need to crowbar his name into every possible conversation imaginable. <laughs> but it's like if the person who mixed and mastered Leather Jacket got upset every time you mentioned the song without saying, which, by the way, was mixed and mastered by uh, John Smith. It's like hey you're mentioning the song but you're not saying who mixed it and mastered it. It's it wasn't one of those conversations where the point was, "Oh, I had this short film air nationally on the JR Dig show and I'm very thankful for." It was just, "Did you see cops on YouTube which anyone can see?" That's what I was wondering. But yes, Is it, it was now? on the JR Dig show. Uh, I don't have any content on YouTube right now, but mm. I, I'm thinking of putting stuff back online.
0: <laughs> yeah. You got a few, Teen Wolf 3. Uh, Cops yeah some there's a thing there.
2: called the escarpment I did which is about a group of friends on the Hamilton escarpment it's supposed I to be like an OC rip off mm. type thing would,
0: would you say that like that's like your um like it's like uh Cops is your sixth sense and then uh, Teen Wolf 3 is like your signs and then would you say that the escarpment
2: is like your unbreakable that's exactly what I would say Mike and I would <laughs> 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 just as good as all of those films and uh, yeah that's yeah. the order I would give them
0: uh, but yeah, uh, just to put a button, uh, on that wraps night. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Maxie. Uh, thank Ash. That was great. It was a great hang. I mean, I, one of the things I kind of love is always the next day is just like all the love going around the group chat, how everybody had like a wonderful time. And, um, actually after, so my brother's been doing work with the Raptors and stuff. And so he came by after, after you and Ash left, Greg came by to the pub and we got to hang with Greg and it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great hang.
1: Uh, he, he was delayed though, right? Because Freddie wouldn't leave the shower for like an hour or something like that. Can we say that?
0: Well... Yeah. Yeah. I think we could say that like Fred Van Vliet took a while to come out and talk to the press because he took the loss hard. And then we were, the quotes were starting to leak out while we were sitting at the pub. And I guess he had said, I, we let the team, we let the fans down. That was a playoff atmosphere and Mm. we didn't play like up to our potential. And then just a bunch of like drunk dudes sitting around the pub. were like, I love Fred Van Vliet. That's accountability. That's leadership. (laughs) You know, and then all that shit and just having a laugh. And then, yeah, Greg, finally I was able to roll in, but, uh, it was, it was a, it was a great time. It was a great laugh. Actually along with Randy, Randy Urban as well, who, uh, is is a friend of the pod and a friend a good good friend of Mark Myers going way back.
1: Uh, speaking of uh, Randy, I uh, related to Shane's accusation about me editing TikToks. Um, I hung out with uh, my old boss of sorts and your old boss of sorts, Randy Lennox, who ran oh. ran Universal Music for you know twenty five years, ran Bell Media for twenty five years. He's still keeping busy. And he was telling me about a documentary because he still does these music documentaries, right? Like that's a big part of his his life still. And he was talking about how he edited this sizzle reel for an upcoming doc that he's working on. And, but I found it interesting because oh. he said earlier in the, in the conversation that he doesn't even use a computer. Like he doesn't even have a computer. So I, was, so I said like, how did you edit it if you don't have a computer? He was like. I, I just, you know, 45 seconds, change that 60 seconds, change that. I was like, that's, that's my goal is just to do that. It's just to not actually know how to do anything technically and then just, to be, but also call myself an editor. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was like- Well, that's a paper a, edit. It's yeah. a paper
0: edit. Is he actually writing notes and then sending them to the tech? Part, I don't like even the, know if he's writing editor? it to
1: be honest. I think it's he's just saying it out loud. <laughs> oh, print edit. Okay. All right. Well, I, or maybe he, he's dictating it, but that is fun. That sounds like a blast to me. Like, you know, if you can get far farther away from the technical stuff and just like say stuff into the air and it gets fixed, that, that's
2: the dream. I want to do that.
1: These are your life goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we have people giving us brain notes all the time when we're editing something. It's, it's a job. It's a real job, so you could have it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, speaking of sort of, of high-level uh, uh, corporate executives, mm-hmm. as, as, as Randy is well aware and has operated within that world, there was a story that came out this morning. I don't know what this pod will come out we're recording it on a, on a Friday, um, but Roger's CEO, Joe Natalie, or Nattel, he learned of Edward Rogers' plan to oust him through a butt dial uh, from the CFO. So essentially, this story has kind of become a very funny story within Canada. I mean, it's been shooting around, but essentially, uh, I guess like the head of a company was about to get like ousted, let go, and he found out because this butt dial happened and he listened to the conversation. So he called the emergency meeting, I guess, and let a bunch of these guys know that there was like kind of like this corporate head chopping coming for all of them. And then they started a rebellion and the guys that were planning it, I think are out now. I think that's it. I think, I think they like, I think they're out of their positions. The guys that were planning sort of to, to wipe these dudes out. And they only got tipped off because uh, the butt did the dial in. And then you heard the conversation. Uh, I think as I said in our champagne boys group, I was like uh, this story if 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 succession writers pitched this story, it would get rejected because how silly and un- unrealistic it is.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I mean, it's just the timing of succession coming back and this story happening is is just like so fortuitous. And um, I and yeah, people know what succession's about, right? If you're a pod listener, do you want to just a twenty second Give, breakdown. Oh yeah. I
0: mean, Sure. It's like a a show about a very powerful sort of wealthy family sort of molded after the Murdochs who own Fox News, uh, where it's like, yeah, it's like this dad that built this brilliant company. And then he's got these children that grew up very rich and wealthy who are trying to sort of learn how to play the Game of Thrones and be ruthless. But they kind of all sort of have failings at different sort of levels and will never be as ruthless as their father. And so it's basically corporate intrigue, money, power, and then family dynamics. And this story has a bit of that because as we know, like Ted Rogers is the guy that started the Rogers Corporation and Edward uh, is one of his sons uh, who I think was at the, the the head of whatever this, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I loved it too, just because I feel like we've all had conversations, uh, private conversations where you're like one-on-one, maybe you're driving somebody somewhere or somebody, and you're talking about some gossipy thing, and you're like, your phone's off, right? And it always feels like such a dramatic thing to say, or like, of course, like, what are the what are the chances that you are going to butt dial or a Siri is actually going to connect you with the person you're talking about? Uh, but you do it, um, and uh, the, because you just don't want the thing to happen, and then it turned out the thing happened to to at yeah, Rogers Corporation or whatever.
0: We've talked on the pod before about uh, like the idea of getting a butt dial and how I actually don't want to listen Mm. to the conversation because I would be mortified if I was getting shit talked because what do you do about it? You know what I mean? It's like it's like you just feel (laughs) butt
2: dial shit talk. That's funny.
0: (laughs) You feel bad. You know what I mean? It's like so I am very quick to be like, hello, hello. Is this a butt dial?
2: I just pictured the butt answering. Like I just picture the little <laughs> fart answering, telling you.
0: And then I, I hang up. I never stay on the line and listen. <laughs> and I feel like I've been doing that for like a
2: decade. Um, yeah. Yeah. What you're saying, I do butt dials? No, I'd say you'd listen for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I get really curious. And sometimes it's just listening to <laughs> innocuous behavior. If someone butt dials me and they're singing to themselves in the car, it's that's kind of funny to listen to.
0: Yeah, like, I wouldn't want, like, say say a friend butt dials and then it's like they're having some fight with their spouse. Like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to know your messy business. Just I'm getting out of there.
2: Yeah, if it got like that, I would. I'm more interested in little innocuous things that I find interesting. If it was something like I felt like, oh, this makes me a bad person now and I'm I'm too deep into this storyline that I shouldn't be involved in, I, I would hang out.
0: But if like one of our friends was doing like a daily affirmation, like it's Sean Dawson and Amir saying you're beautiful, you're going to sell <laughs> yes, two houses that today. Yes, nothing would bring yeah.
2: me bigger joy than to overhear that. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Maxie, do you listen if you get a butt dial?
1: No, I don't. Uh, I got to be honest, though, most of the time, if I do get butt dialed, it scares the shit out of me because you think like, why is this person, something terrible has happened. That's that's what I always think when somebody calls you who doesn't normally call you and it's like the middle of the day and, and random, and then it's just a butt dial. I'm like, oh, thank God. And so I'm actually kind of relieved when when it's a butt dial because it's not some piece of bad news, it, which, which I What I don't
2: about. understand is how are butt dials even happening in this day and age? Because our phones are all iPhones, they're flat. Does your, if your bum's warm enough, can it act as a finger? And dial <laughs> i I think so.
0: I think so. when sometimes when I'm wearing my phone with the face toward my leg and I'm listening to a pod, it will skip ahead if like my skin, I guess gets warm enough. you know what I'm saying? or like I'm wearing shorts. Mm-hmm. like if the layer' thin enough, m- my thigh will skip the shit ahead. So if you don't fully lock your phone and put your phone back in your pocket, I can see how it could happen.
2: I think I'm always wearing jeans so it can't cut through that fabric. And I think you wear mm. sweatpants <laughs> a lot, so you'd be more like likely to do it. <laughs> I'm <a sweatpants> man. <laughs> I do love them. Have you ever done a butt towel, Max? Uh,
1: I'm sure I have. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like if there's like there's also like the errant uh, screen grab where like you send a screen grab because you want to like, you know, show like a funny part of a a text conversation or something like that. But there's like another part of the text conversation that like you didn't mean to share. Mm. And then the person goes, like, wait, what, what are you talking about there though? Do
2: you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like- I, I think, think more common is your brain gets confused because you're screen grabbing a conversation from someone and you want to send it to someone else, but you send it to the person that you're making fun of kind of. And that oh. that happens a lot. Little Dickie did that a good episode either. about that on uh, his show, Dave. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you haven't seen the, that, have you?
1: I haven't. I still haven't watched the the season two. I've watched like the first two episodes. If I need to, I don't know what's. It's like a
2: great episode. It's one of the best ones of the season. Shit, okay. okay it's I'm all about dating apps and faux pas and awkwardness. Oh, really very great. interesting, huh? Um, hey, but did you
1: guys?
0: Uh, sorry, no, go, go ahead, no, go, go ahead, go ahead, No, 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 go ahead. No, not unrelated.
1: Mine's unrelated. Go ahead.
0: Mine was unrelated too. Actually, I was circling back. Can I something. go? For you it? go. Yep. No, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. i have nothing. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: um, circling, actually circling back uh, a bit, not that this is going to become a, a succession review pod, but did you guys both watch
2: episode one of season three? I just found out the first episode was out and I'm dying That's, to see it. That's so funny.
0: I was just, so my, my brother and, oh, and his fiance, Laura, my brother got engaged yeah, also. which Woo, is big, So big congrats to my brother uh, on, uh, on this podcast. Um, but... They so I moved places as I've talked about on this podcast, and my neighborhood didn't have Bell, which I use Bell service. Obviously, we very happily do this pod uh, for Bell Media. Um, but because they didn't offer it in my neighborhood, I had to end up going with another thing. Finally, got it back. They ended up offering it in my neighborhood. Uh, uh, but because of that, I just I like I once I canceled like my Bell, I canceled my Crave, which is where uh, Succession airs in Canada through HBO on Crave. But what happened is I have like my in-laws use my Crave, like my brother and his fiance Laura, they use my Crave. Uh, so I was starting to get hit up all the time. Like, hey, did you change your Crave password? Like, is that Crave getting happening again? Like, these are all like adults that do pretty good. Like they could buy their own Crave if they need it. But I did feel immense guilt where I was like, oh, I'm going I'll, to, I'll I'll re-up it once I, I get Bell back. But then I got Bell back and I was like, do I really need Crave? So I was kind of like slow playing it. Every once in a while, Greg would hit me up. He's like, hey, you ever like redo that? I'm like, man, you guys really want to watch. I can't remember which bad reality show they watched too, which made me laugh even harder. It was the one they wanted to watch on Crave. But, um, uh, so finally,
1: I can't, I can't, I can't. Is it Love Island?
0: It is Love Island, yeah. So, so I, uh, I'm sitting here and Crave and, and Succession is back. It's, it's, it's all over the Twitter. I'm like, ah, shit. I'm like, fuck, I'm like, I do want succession, but now I've lived like a crave free life. And am I going to really up like the movie channels? And I'm like, succession, you brought me back. So I re-upped my crave and I let all the concerned parties know, gang, it's back on. Here's the password. Jump in. And I've literally never seen Greg and Laura so happy uh, in their responses to me for getting it back.
1: Oh, uh, Honestly, I, this kind of conversation drives me crazy because, and by the way, I am guilty. of. Everybody has a version of this sort of um mental hiccup when it comes to things they just don't want to pay for. (laughs) But as you said, it's just like all of our friends, I'd say for the most part, are very fortunate. And like when it comes to like the the amount of money they bring home, you know, it's like nobody – nobody's like living on EI or anything. It's it's like, and we're talking about an expense that's $10 a month. And of course that adds up, you know, if, if you get Apple TV, then you get Crave, then you get cable and totally. that, like, but, but the idea that, and again, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Like everybody's guilty of it, but the idea of like, you know, grown adults, like jumping for joy over not having to Share a ten dollar a month service, like while, <laughs> while they go to some bar on Dundas and and get a cocktail for thirteen dollars one night and not really blink about it. I'm yeah. it's just in it's insane. It's psychological. And, uh, the though. other day, it, it's totally psychological. But I find it to be such an. Uh, an unattractive quality. And again, I'm guilty of it too. Everybody's fucking guilty oh, of yeah, it. you're a password sharer. Come on. I mean, of course Dan, I am. Of you were using like
0: Dan's, uh, East Panda league pass for the last like 15 years.
1: Of course. And I share, uh, um, an NBA league pass with Sean Dawson. Shout out to Sean Dawson, who, uh, is recovering from an appendix. Yes. Uh, emergency appendix uh, surgery. Yeah, man. I think he's on the mend. He's doing good. And, and again, but it's just like the idea that, that Greg and Laura are just like waiting, hope, hoping, praying that Big Brother Mike will re-sign up for Crave so we can watch our show again. Oh my god, it's happening! This is fantastic. We're gonna get go to watch the show. It's like, and then, and then, you know, I am sure they go. No, uh, Greg, Greg is more cheap than most people, so I actually have weirdly more compassion for him. But I um I met somebody the other day who is like the heir to a lot of money, mm. um, but also mentioned that after uh, they watched the morning show on Apple TV, they canceled the subscription. Like, I'm not paying that six bucks a month. This <laughs> is crazy. That's
2: wild. Oh my God. What if you get a weird charge on like a phone bill or any type of bill? Will you call the company and inquire about it? Or will you just assume it's fine and you'll take the hit? You, you
1: uh, Shane, you said the other night at uh, drinks after the basketball game that I don't care about anything. You're like, Max, you don't care about anything. Like you're just like never get mad. And... And I tried to take that as a compliment. I do think I care about stuff. And I wonder if my bandmates and Arkells would think that I um, am a little more particular about stuff. Obviously, with the pod, I'm, I let Ash do her thing. You guys edit it. I don't really try to interfere too much. Um, but I do I am, I am. do put a very, 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 very high price on being in a good mood. And I sometimes I do the mental math. I'm like, okay, if... If uh, who's I don't even know who my cell phone provider is. I think it's Bell. I, that's how little I look at the, the thing. But if in the past I would look at the bill, and occasionally I might be getting ripped off, or there'd be some mistake or whatever, and I would then spend you know the next like hour and a half arguing about it, demanding my money back. I would get so so fucking worked up about it, and I just don't like it's just not the the, the trade off isn't worth it. I just the, the cost benefit. I'm just like no. The $60 I might save, that would that will put me in a bad mood for the next three hours. $60, three hours, not doing it. I just don't give a fuck. So that might make, make, make me a fool or whatever or too trusting of other people. But yeah, that's, that's where I'm at.
0: Shane, I get the impression that you're the sort of person that if there's a $5 overage or an unrecognizable call charge you will get on the phone for hours.
2: Oh, 100%. Oh, I investigate just cuz I hate the idea of someone screwing me over regardless of the price or sneaking something in. And one time I had something like $23 extra, which I thought was quite significant. So I called Bell. This was on my cable package actually. Yeah, cuz the cable the cell phone and cable were together. And I'm like, why do I have these overages? Uh, What's going on? They're like, oh, you rented a movie for $4.99. And I was like, okay, but that's $4.99. What's the other $17? And they got really (laughs) awkward about it and they didn't want to tell me. I'm like, tell me what's going on. They're like, well, there was another movie called Nymphomaniac that you rented, which was a new release that was $17.99. I'm like, oh, right, right. Yes, that's an art film by- with Shia LaBeouf. It's directed by Lars Ben Trier. And then I'm just explaining that it's not a porno. <laughs> it got really awkward. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the woman didn't really believe me because I was over-explaining and talking for so long. But, yeah, that was... Uh... It made me double think before I call in the future to really investigate and think about my purchases.
1: I know, I know we got to get to Reba in a second, uh, but I just saw on the ticker here, uh, Alec Baldwin um, mm. put out a statement on the Did he? situation. Oh, read it to us because yeah. this is,
0: so For we'll give a quick, I'm sure anyone listening to this pod will have heard the story by the time this pod comes out, but... Uh, Late last night, early this morning, it was reported that on set of this movie that uh, Alec Baldwin is shooting in New Mexico, he was using a prop gun, which he fired. And I guess it misfired somehow. It actually shot a projectile and uh, the D.O.P. Uh, was killed in the incident and the director uh, was in hospital in critical condition. So this is like a very tragic and sad and sort of evolving story. But as we record this in real time, uh, Maxie's saying that Alec Baldwin has a statement. So so what is it, Max?
1: Yeah, he just tweeted, there are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic accident that took the life of Halna Hutchins. Hopefully, I'm saying that correctly. A wife, mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours. I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred and I am in touch with her husband, offering my support to him and his family. My heart is broken for her husband and their son and all who knew and loved halna halina sorry i apologize uh halina yeah anyway um wow. that this is gonna be one of the most bizarre stories uh, like and i like how this possibly even happened is so so strange and i i'm it kind of in a funny way and the, the, the these are completely 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 different stories but um following this whole Ben Simmons saga with the Philadelphia 76ers, commenting on stuff in like for the purpose of a podcast in real time is so hard because um, when you're short of all the details, you really have, you, you could look like an asshole. Like, so like, you know, Ben Simmons is now saying he's not mentally ready to join the team. He's now talked to the team. This is what's coming out this morning. And all I've wanted to do in the last few weeks is just like shit on Ben Simmons but then you're like, oh, maybe he's going some, through something, or maybe there's something really terrible happening in his life that we just don't know about. So I just don't know how to talk about really anything mm-hmm. <laughs> as it's going on. Um, yeah,
0: I mean, the nature of evolving news it makes it difficult to, 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 to sort of have commentary on something like a podcast, like what we're doing, just because it changes so quickly. But much like news or anything... Like you put out a pod and the pod also goes away. Like some, some takes age better than others and all that stuff. But you know what I mean? It's like what we say about, we can only comment on what we have the information for, but I do think that it sort of, uh, it it is a good lesson in having sensitivity about any of these things, um, and not just coming on and sort of going like hardcore hot take when it involves somebody's like mental health or in the case Mm -hmm. of this Alec Baldwin story somebody's life and their family and all of that stuff. It, uh, it's wild. It's, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's such a tragic thing. I mean, this is this has happened before where like a prop gun has gone off famously or infamously. Uh, Brandon Lee, the son of Bruce Lee, died on the set of The Crow with a very mm-hmm. similar uh, incident. Um,
2: how does this happen though? Like how how is it loaded? Well, like, these I don't blank guns, they can still fire projectiles and things can, you know, explode out of them.
0: So what? Ha- yeah, so I, I, the New York Times actually had this like comprehensive like diagram that explained the way that blanks work. And essentially, like you know, how, like when you see a bullet, you have like the barrel, and then you have like the tip, like the the little like the top part sort of deal that sits on top of the shell. So, like, in a movie, when you see someone take a bullet out of like somebody's gut, you know, it's like looks like a little sort of like small thing. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like the bullet, and that's because the shell of the bullet. <clears throat> is the projectile so when that gets hit the gunpowder goes and then it shoots the tip of the bullet and that's what that's what um is ultimately like the uh that can be the, the sort of the most damaging thing about it the way a blank works is it still has the the, the barrel but there's no tip there's no mm-hmm. bullet tip on it but if shit mm-hmm. gets in the gun when that when that reaction happens like so you get the the bang and the spark if there's something in the barrel it will still propel it so it has to be like cleaned super thoroughly. You have to have like a, it goes should go without saying, you know, somebody who is an extreme expert on set at handling these, these guns and these blanks. Because the blank still is having the chemical reaction and the explosion. It's just the tip of the bullet isn't on there to get propelled out. So nothing's supposed to come out of the barrel. It's just supposed to make the noise. That being said, so we don't know if something went in there or something even crazier, like somehow a real bullet got in, but who knows again this is to what you just said like all of this is speculation it might sound stupid in 20 minutes it's, it might sound stupid right
2: now it's really odd because the movie is about someone convicted of a murder that they did by accident no and this is the movie wow. that Alec Baldwin's producing too my goodness really strange well
0: um yeah I mean uh, I guess we'll see that we'll let it develop and then uh yeah like like you said max like I, mean, I guess like everybody feels it's just it's it's always really 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 sad when anybody dies you know in a workplace accident or something like this and obviously this will have repercussions and you know for her family for his career it's going to sort of be an evolving entertainment and human story uh, as it goes along but guys uh we do have a guest today um like i said off the top we have the legendary reba mcintyre uh it was awesome to get to speak to her like she was so um Just kind and game to talk to three dudes from Canada on a Zoom, which is such a funny like element of this reality we're living in now uh, where it's like an interview like that doesn't happen pre-pandemic it's like so now it's like four of us on a zoom it's like four of us just zooming with reba mcintyre i just i found it surreal at moments in the conversation uh and Shane had great questions max she had great questions uh and it was just a really cool conversation uh we talked about her acting career uh as a kid tremors was like a really sort of like a big movie for me and my best friend growing up so it was cool to ask her about that we talked about her record revived remixed revisited which is out now uh it's a three disc set her golden globe Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Said, yeah, let the listeners know about the gold globe, Shady. Dude, we're going to leave it in, right? We'll leave it yeah, yeah. in. Yeah, yeah,
2: I think. Oh, I don't yeah. know. We, we but got I, I got screwed. My <laughs> <laughs> my stepmom told me that Reba McIntyre won a Golden Globe. So I, I look it up. I blame, in the interview, I blame Wikipedia for giving out the wrong information. But that's not true. There was an article uh, by a magazine that said Reba McIntyre wins her first Golden Globe. And that combined with my stepmom saying it to be true, I thought I would ask her about her win. And, of course, Reba McIntyre did not win a Golden Globe. It was kind of weird and awkward. Even Reba was questioning whether she had won one or not because I seemed so positive that she had. <laughs>
0: <But> yeah. <laughs> yeah, She had to ask her team. Yes. Like, did I win a Golden Globe? Yeah.
2: <laughs> did I win one? <laughs> and I just felt so, you know. You handled it gracefully. You,
0: you handled it well. She handled it incredibly gracefully. And then I just enjoyed, like, the text rounds afterward where— Shane was like, bam, Reba was wrong. And then Ash was like, actually, no, that article
2: you found is wrong. And
0: then you were like, damn it. (laughs) My stepmother gave me bad advice.
2: I wasn't trying to show that Reba was wrong. I was trying to show that I actually had a credible source that fucked me.
3: (laughs) That's what I was trying to
2: show. I knew I was wrong. Okay. Yeah. Got you. Well, it's a
0: great conversation. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, And then, of course, after uh, the conversation with Reba, stick around for Shane's surprise. Guys, do you want to get to Ruby McIntyre? Let's do it. Let's do it. Reba, how's it going? I'm Mike. Uh, Shane and Max are also with me. You guys can put your hands up. <laughs> uh, welcome to our show. Uh, first, I want to say uh, your place looks amazing in the background of your Zoom. Um, I- I'm wondering... When you're setting up a press day like this, how do you find the best spot in the house? Because my wife took the best spot in our place for her work, so I'm stuck down here. But your background looks awesome.
3: Thank you. Well, my team put it all together. I was in there in glam getting ready. And so they take the (laughs) camera around to which part of the kitchen looks the best and what's best in lighting. So this is what (laughs) we get. Thank you for saying that.
0: Um, Um, No, go ahead, Maxie.
1: No, no, no. Sorry, Mikey. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, this is like uh, such an ambitious uh, p- project. It's like, it's like three albums with uh revived, remixed, revisited. Um, when you look back on, on sort of your collection of songs, what are you sort of uh, most impressed with? And then at times when you look back, are you like, Oh, I thought that one was maybe a little better. Is there anything like you have a hierarchy of faves and sort of ones that maybe uh, you, you misremembered?
3: Well, I, all of them have near and dear places in my heart, whether it's because I love to do this song on, Uh, on stage better than the other one. Or this one makes me cry every time I sing it. Or this one brings up a memory of of my dad. Or there's always reasons you love a song more than the other. Uh, Maybe not more, just for different reasons. But doing the albums this way, uh, with my touring band, the way we do them on concert. That's the revived and then the remix, a dance mix. Who doesn't love that? And then the revisited are the songs that we chose to do with Dave Cobb and his musician, stripped down a little slower, a little more laid back. And it just gave a different voice to these songs, which I really appreciated and enjoyed getting the same.
1: Reba, um... So I'm a musician myself. I'm in a band, and um, there's there's certain people that I go to uh, for like honest, brutal notes. And I know you're known for your more famous collaborations, but like for instance, Mike's brother Greg is my old roommate. And if I have any new demo, I go, Greg, is this any good? And Greg will be like, Nah, it's shit. <laughs> or Nah, it's pretty good. Keep keep trying. Who are your like lesser known musical collaborators that you're like, okay, I need to bounce an idea off you. Is this corny? Is this cool? Does this hit you right in the soul? Is there anybody in your life that has occupied that space over the years?
3: Melissa Peterman, who uh, was my sidekick on the Reba TV show who played Barbara Jean. She is such a huge fan of music. And when we would uh, be together anytime I'd say, Hey, listen to this. So Melissa is one of those that uh, loves all genres of music. So if I played one, and if it was one that really touched my heart and it did the same for her, I knew that's one song I had to record.
2: I had a question about duet etiquette. I was just listening to your song with Dolly Parton, your your new release of Does He Love Me? And I looked back and the original song was from uh, 1993 with Linda Davis. When you're redoing a duet, do you have to contact linda and say listen i'm doing this with dolly now no offense i didn't do that no
3: (laughs) where were you why weren't you there to tell me to do that i'm
2: sure she would understand i mean it's dolly right so
3: yeah right yeah no i didn't i didn't ask linda if it was okay with her but boy linda she did a great job in the middle 90s doing it and then when dolly recorded it um I didn't know how she's going to do it. I didn't know she's going to sing it exactly like the demo and like Linda did it. And then when she came up with this version, I asked her, I said, what, why did you sing it like that? She said, I just sang how I feel. Mm. I sang it like I feel it.
0: In the video uh, for Does He Love You? You know, you and Dolly sort of, you're sitting at the table and then you get up and you sort of perform. And then at the very end of the video, there's like this nice ad lib, like a little bit of an acting bit that you guys left in with dialogue. Was that actually spontaneous? Was it planned before you went in?
3: no it wasn't planned when, before we went in and she was ad-libbing and uh the director had already cut and i said <laughs> oh guys you got to get that and so i said "Dolly, would you say that again she said what i say <laughs> and so we we kind of relived it and we re- redid it for the cameras but i thought it was perfect don't i get to blow up something <laughs>
1: yeah that was great <laughs> yeah hey um so I'm kind of curious to know about your routine is uh, in the studio and I'm sure it's changed over the years. I know for me at around four thirty, I need to be put down for a 20 minute nap. I just go find a quiet room <laughs> and usually there's like blankets that cover the drums that then, then cover me. Uh, do you have a nap routine? What is your, like your studio day look like? Is it an, are you an evening person? Are you a morning person? Break that down for us.
3: Okay. I like to start at 10 o'clock in the morning and I mm-hmm. like to lay down the tracks with the band I like them to be in there because I think I'm. They I want to impress them. They impress yeah. me by the way they play. So it it kind of charges me up and keeps me going through the day. And sometimes I'll do a ten and a two, and then when the band leaves, I'll uh, either re-sing while I'm warmed yeah. up, or we'll do a little vocal comping. Or just see what we need to do on the six o'clock section. If, uh, and if somebody needs to hang around and re- redo something. But uh, I like to start early. I'm I'm a morning person more than a night owl. And uh, I love being in the studio. But I don't nap.
1: No nap. Okay. No nap. <laughs> I recommend it if you're ever in like in a rut. Just, just 20 minutes.
2: That's all you need.
3: It takes me 20 minutes to go to sleep. Then Fair
2: enough. Fair enough. Uh, I have a TikTok related question, obviously. During quarantine, I got really into TikTok and your song Survivor is everywhere. Does that make a boost in your life in terms of young fans coming over to you? Do you get a bunch of residual checks like is a Brinks truck just backing up? just for that song or does it not make one iota of a difference
3: you know i'm still waiting in that truck
2: yeah.
3: but uh i would <laughs> think yeah on the new fans i would absolutely think so because tiktok is such a, a fun thing to do because it's quick yes. mom always said really? i had the attention span of a four-year-old no she said a two-year-old really i was giving myself some credit but I, I that's why i like tiktok it's fast move to the next and so it i think it has gotten a lot of people's uh, attention about uh, me and then when they see that I've been around as long as I have, it's a, uh, I, I just think it's a win-win situation. I love getting new fans and them in, getting introduced to me.
2: Is there a younger audience that's coming out to your shows now you find?
3: Well, my audience ages have always been two to 92 okay. because yeah. grandmas will bring their daughters and their daughters. So it's always been a good wide range of people coming to my concerts
2: and ted lasso another thing popular culture that you were in you were mentioned in that show how did that how did you find out that your name was being featured so prominently in that series
3: well i was watching it i was sitting in here in my living room with my dog riddler and uh roy goes to get his tickets and he says my name and i'm like oh my gosh I love Roy Kent. So for him to say my name on Ted Lasso, I, I was thrilled to pieces, very flattered. And then we started communicating on social media, uh, the cast and, and Roy Kent even. So it was it was so much fun.
0: Speaking of acting, actually, this is a chance for me to sort of go back. I and mean, we were so excited to have you. And I feel like I'd be letting down a lot of my childhood friends if I didn't ask you about Tremors, because that, you know, it's it's cult classic that I remember from childhood. And I'm fascinated for you as an artist, as a singer, how you got into acting, how that movie role came about. And then obviously, you know, turns into a bunch of other acting roles and Broadway and all sorts of stuff. But how does Tremors specifically come about?
3: Well, that was my first movie I'd ever done. I had never been in a play before. Music videos was the first acting I ever did, and it wasn't any big stretch for me because when I'm on stage and I'm singing a song like "Somebody Should Leave" or "Fancy," I am Fancy Ray Baker when I sing "Fancy." So I'm just play like it. I'm I'm just acting the part. So it's a lot of fun for me. So I auditioned twice for Tremors. Uh, I went and did it. Swear I'd never do another movie again because <laughs> it was just boring. I sat around and wait. And then when I saw it, I felt like, oh, yeah, I'd like to do that again. But that was, <laughs> uh, I filmed it in 89 and it came out in 90. And uh, I've done quite a few movies since then. And I love television. So the acting part is a lot of fun.
0: Did it come, I mean, you mentioned music videos, but I'm just wondering, was it a natural transition? Like, like, is that something you thought about when you were like, you know, when you get into music, you know, it was a sort of natural transition. And I'd read that, you know, you and your family that harmonized, you learned from your mother, like, was acting something like, I want to be an actor too, or was it just sort of this side thing where you're like, I, I can also do this?
3: I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be mm. in movies. I wanted to be a, a, in a Western. I wanted to be the cowgirl come riding up on a horse and, or maybe shoot a gun or something like that. And I've gotten to do one. I want to do some more, but it's, uh, it's the television and doing comedy that I absolutely love so much. And then Annie Gets Your Gun, I was on Broadway for a few months. And that was the hardest work I ever did in my life, eight shows a week. And we shot the video, I mean, I mean the um, uh, pilot for the Riva TV show while I was doing Annie Get Your Gun. So that was in New York. I had to fly to L.A. to shoot the pilot. And so that was very hard on me. I, I never lost my voice, thank God. But um, being with an ensemble, getting to be somebody else and then getting to the sing, too, is what I loved about Annie Get Your Gun.
2: And when you Rebo, are acting, for, uh, sorry, sorry, go Max, sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead, Jane. When you are acting, you are in, so polite. <laughs> <laughs> we're Canadians. <Yeah. laughs> when you are <laughs> acting in a show like Reba, which I'm thinking must take so much of your time, does your music career take a back seat or are you just doing both somehow?
3: Well, when we were filming the Reba show, we would film from August to March, and then I'd tour in the summer. But if some dates did come up, I could tour Friday night, Saturday night, at like one off mm-hmm. a festival or a, a private show. But usually we, we did our touring in the summer months after I got through doing the taping of the Read the Show.
1: Reeve, are you in Nashville right now? I am. Okay, so in my imagination, uh, everyone in the national music community kind of knows each other. You run into each other at the grocery store, at the coffee shop. Uh, (laughs) So I want to name some names, and I want you to tell me the last time you saw them in real life, or even got a text from them, because they're like, hey, you drove by my street or something like that. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, Keith Urban.
3: I saw him two weeks ago at a memorial service for his production manager.
1: Okay. Uh, Casey Musgraves.
3: I haven't seen Casey Oh gosh, long, long time. Last award show that I was at, CMA.
1: Okay. Uh, Shania Twain.
3: Ooh, Shania. It's been a while. We went to her concert in Las Vegas, and uh, Faith Hill, uh, Kelly Clarkson, and I went backstage and visited with her for a while.
0: Uh, Faith oh, Hold on, Max. Yeah, Max, before you go on with any more questions, you go to a Shania concert with those people. What's a night out like with you guys?
3: <laughs> Lots of fun. Those girls are so much fun. Uh, Kelly and I went on tour together. Faith and I went on tour together. Uh, Great friends, great buddies, and very successful, talented women. Who has the
1: most like party stamina? Because you know, most <laughs> of the time, uh, you know, hardworking people like yourself that are in the public eye, they actually don't party as much because they have to go to bed early. They have a you know to work out in the morning. They want to you know keep their stuff you know as together as possible. Uh, who has the most party stamina of any famous person that you've uh, come oh, to we're,
3: know? We're we're finished uh, by ten o'clock. So. Uh, it, I th- I'd say it's a tie. <laughs> oh,
2: no, you're a liar. Don't lie. Reba, come on. 10 a.m. the next day, she means. Yeah, yeah 10, 10 a.m.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Max, you had the list of names. Go on
1: if you had any more. Oh, sorry. Last, uh, well, I kind of, Garth Brooks was my last one.
3: Oh, I saw Garth and Tricia uh, at the Grand Ole Opry. We were doing a benefit for the folks Waverley, Waverly, Tennessee, Loretta Lynn's uh, hometown they, during the flood. The town pretty much got washed away, so we were doing a benefit concert at the at the Grand Ole Opry, and I saw Garth and Trish there. Is there anyone
1: you just keep on running into to the point where it's almost annoying? You're like, I keep seeing this person every time I go to the coffee shop.
3: <laughs> I never get annoyed seeing my buddies and my friends. Uh, Trisha and okay. Garth and I and Rex are going to get together, and we're going to going to teach us how to cook, and we're going to play cards.
2: Oh, lovely, lovely! It's a good time. <laughs> OK, this is kind of a weird question, but I've been listening to some Canadian country artists and I wonder how you would feel about their country accent or their southern accent that seems to appear when they sing. <laughs> For you, is it like, hey, I'm actually southern. Don't be pulling that in your song. Or is that just a thing you have to do if you're singing a country song?
3: Oh, I think it's the thing you have to do when you're singing a country song. Like Mel Tillis was a stutterer. But when he would sing... He can sing without stuttering. So I, I go with it hundred percent.
1: And Keith Urban, he's Australian, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Mel Tillis?
1: No, no, Keith Keith <laughs> no, Urban, geez. Keith Urban.
3: Oh, I missed that part. Yeah, Keith Urban definitely has, uh, it's Keith Urban. Yeah, that's how you say it. <laughs> I say Keith Urban. But uh, I've been on tour with Ward Bamford and uh, Terry Clark and... Uh, mm. And we've been on tour up in Canada a lot of times. You guys are so nice and polite. I, I love touring Canada.
0: <laughs> so on, uh, I do want to go back. So a couple things about this record. And by the way, thank you. We love having you in Canada. And you know, like you said, we're, the three of us keeping like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. And it felt very sort of uh, stereotypical Canadian, almost like it's a cliche. Uh, but back to um, um, this sort of uh, group of records, Fancy is the only track that appears on all three sort of iterations. Were there any other tracks that you thought might get the the sort of the, the three-phase treatment?
3: No, just Fancy. Uh, I'm a Survivor is on two, and That's the Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia is on two albums. But Fancy was mm-hmm. the only one that could hold it all the way through it, on three albums.
1: With, um, you know, you clearly have... Uh, you know, a lot in you to just keep working. You know, it seems like you never want to stop. Have have there been periods in your career where you're like, I, I'm just kind of like not into music right now, but I know I need to take a break to come back to it. Like, are there periods in your life when you look back where you're like, oh, that felt like a particularly rich creative time. Oh, this is when I needed to do something else. Like, how do you plot out the next six months, next year in terms of like, because you're at a point where you can, you know, do whatever you want to do. You can choose to spend your time however you'd like. Um, are, are there like, what are the peaks and valleys in your career when you when you look back uh, on everything you've accomplished?
3: Well, the wonderful thing about doing so many diversified things, you don't get bored. So when mm-hmm. I got through with doing the television show, I went on tour and then I have a clothing line that I would deal with. and then are you go do a movie or something different all the time, which makes it fun. Now I've got the podcast. And so it, there's no time for being bored. And if I get tired of dealing with one thing, I shift over to the other. So it, it just keeps things interesting.
1: All right. Well, I think we're we're just about good. Do you want to Mike, do you want or Shane, do you want to uh, finish up with it with Yeah, the I don't know if key? Shane had one
2: more. Sure. Career highlight. What do we got?
3: Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, you always have to go the first, the first number one record or the first award you won in front of your peers when you're just as nervous as a wreck, you could go over to the side of the stage and throw up. Other things are getting deterred out of the country, in the country, being with your fans. I guess, personally, my greatest achievement, is probably having my son, Shelby, who's 31 years old now. Um, I I do enjoy life. I enjoy my music. I enjoy getting to act. I I just totally enjoy life. And all my friends that I get to share my life with, and I appreciate them sharing their lives with me. So I'm a happy camper. Just loving life.
2: What about the Golden Globe? Was was that a highlight, or did was that something you really cared well, about? Well, I
3: haven't gotten one a Golden Globe yet. I'm still working on that.
2: You didn't Maybe get a Golden Globe?
3: I thought, no, not geez, yet. Wikipedia,
2: you don't trust it.
3: <laughs> I didn't get a Golden Globe, did I? Nominated. I had a Golden Globe. I was nominated. <laughs> nominated. For one. Yes. 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 On the Reba TV show. <laughs> That's yeah. correct. Wow.
2: Yes. I have an angry email to send to Wikipedia after this.
1: There you go. Uh, <laughs> Reba, is there anyone you want to collaborate with uh, that you haven't collaborated with? Like, get, name me top three. Because I, I could tell you, like, you know, Paul McCartney is on the top of my list. I like to do something with Stevie Wonder uh, and uh, Chance the Rapper. Who are your top three that you haven't collaborated with yet? Pink. Pink.
3: Adele. Mm. Bette Midler. I
1: love it. Good list. A quick list, too. Um...
0: I guess, sort of, as we wrap, I have a philosophical question for sort of how you've approached uh, your life and illustrious career. And that is, you know, some people sort of tend to either live in the present or they think a lot about their past, you know, they either glorify it or they're, you know, they have regrets or they look ahead to the future. Where do you find yourself? Are you constantly like, what am I doing next? What's the future? Or are you like, I need to stay present. Or do you find yourself thinking like, oh, that, you know, that was great. You know, the show or these things in the past, where do you tend to sort of occupy your time um, mentally and emotionally?
3: The easiest is to stay in the past. And the one that keep you the most busy and agitated is the future. So I like to stay in the present. And that's the hardest to do. Because to stay in the present and to appreciate the day, the moment you're in, is really, really hard to do. And that didn't click with me until probably three years ago. And when it did, it was classic. I mean, it was monumental. That's so hard to do. Because you want to think about, what are we going to do tomorrow? where are we going to go eat? What are we going to do next week? Let's plan a vacation. Let's get this done. Instead of just appreciating, take a deep breath and appreciate what you're doing at the moment. That's really hard. But I'm working on it.
0: That's uh, a, a beautiful and insightful way to end it. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it.
3: Good business with all, all three right. of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Likewise. Thanks, It was.
0: Thank you so much. Welcome back. Thank you so, so much to Reba McIntyre for joining us for uh, that delightful conversation. But now it is time for Shane's surprise or the dessert, whatever you want to call it. I find that every week I'm I'm changing up what I call it, but I kind of like it. You never know what you're going to get, just like the dessert.
2: <laughs> well, with dessert, you would probably know what you're going to get if it's you're ordering it up. Yeah, right. It's the
0: surprise. Yeah, yes. my
2: bad. Yeah, <laughs> But okay, so... <laughs> Ever since we did the episode where I was talk asking you if you had written a song about me, I've been getting some messages where people are saying, "Oh, Max is an asshole. He doesn't care about you. I can't believe he's never written a song about you. Some friend he is, etc." And some people have offered to write a song. About me to me, Ooh, and I'm like, no, I don't. Whoa. I don't want a song about me. I want Max to write a song about me because you know you're not famous like Max is, and it's not a cool <laughs> honor unless it's being played in a Leafs montage or a Raptors montage or at a soccer game. A lot of Arkell's music is played in montages, especially in Canada. So that is what I was after. And then someone hmm. said, "Well, I can reimagine an existing Arkell's song." But with Mm. Shane lyrics about (laughs) about the night that we had when we went out for drinks and we hadn't, you know, talked. Oh, it's stacked. Yeah, yeah, it's stacked. Where we hadn't uh, talked for one on one in a while, and Max or sorry, Mike was organizing the conversation in such a brilliant way to create a bubble where you and I could just connect. Yeah, and then we went back to Nut's house afterwards. Anyway, so I had the song made just to show you that. A hit song can still happen even if it's about me and maybe more innocuous things going on. So I'm going <laughs> to play the song. I am very
0: excited for this. This is a, this is a true surprise, and it, it could be one of the best. I'm so well, excited. Max, are you nervous
2: or excited about this? I'm ready. Okay. I, I'm, I'm nervous. Okay. What song do <laughs> you think it. it's going to be? Leather Jacket. Close. That's a good guess. This song is called That's Pleather Jacket. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Okay, let's make sure I have my volume. I'm, I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear the lyrics perfectly, but uh, I'll pipe it in proper when... Uh, for yeah, husband. yeah, hold
0: the mic up, and then maybe when Erica hits this edit, she can just lay this song over top, and you'll hear our reaction if it's lined up okay. properly.
2: I'm excited for this.
4: Hung out in Toronto, it was good to see you again. Matt Answorth was there with his new girlfriend. We were meeting new people, but no one seemed affected. Because Mikey V was there conversation directing. We talked about things that we hadn't in a while. We sat and we laughed. We drank and we smiled. Went back to the nuts's place. We weren't even tired. Watched John Mulaney on Seth Myers. <laughs> we did.
2: <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's it. That's just like a 38 second sample of what it could be. And as you can mm. see, it didn't really take away from the melody uh, or anything. No, nah. it was great. It was very nice. Who who did yeah, that? Uh, that's, that's an excellent him, question. Yeah. And I figure we might as well pipe in the songwriter. Hey!
0: All right.
2: <laughs> what? Okay, one second. I got the songwriter here.
0: Yeah, he's it, oh. in the Zoom. Yes. <laughs> Uh, welcome hey! to the podcast, <laughs> the, the one and only uh, Roddy Colmer, immensely talented.
4: Uh, Roddy, Roddy how's it is going? An expert. Good. I know my three best friends all in, in one place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Roddy and I hung out uh, that night in L.A. And Roddy, you are an expert uh, songwriter in many different ways, but all but especially in the comedic. Um, you know. Uh, what would you, what would you call your genre? Like a parody song, I suppose, right? Parody
4: songs, mostly uh, penis related. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but this
4: song that he wrote uh, but, wasn't but you, a parody you... song.
1: No, no, that was just, that was a straight up banger. But uh, Roddy, you were telling us all about how uh, you've been writing for Howard Stern. T- talk, tell the audience about it. Yeah.
4: Well, Monday is actually the two year anniversary of the first time we sent in a song to potentially be played on the Howard Stern Show, not thinking they would even listen to it. But um, myself and Jay Brody, who's now the morning show guy at Edge 102, we had a show on Sirius XM. So we were just like, let's get the, the Howard Stern emails because we have access to the database. And just <laughs> <I love it. laughs> send, send songs in, like see what happens because we're both big fans. So we sent a song in and the first song we sent in got played like a few days later, so we were like, what the heck they didn't even tell us they were going to play it we just heard it listening to the show so that was kind of mind-blowing and we're like okay like this is actually a possible thing so we just spent the next year spending like five or six songs in a week until they were like okay I think like legally we have to hire these guys because they're working like 40 hours a week for us their- <laughs> 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 um they like called us up we got the call and they're like oh we'd love for you to join the uh The team here kind of thing so yeah it's pretty crazy it's like being a part of your favorite thing you know what i mean like i listen to that show every day to so to be part of it is so strange and surreal
2: what about being on mike on much is that similar writing a song (laughs) for us getting this gig
4: yeah it like in my mind it kind of teeter-totters like which one is is cooler for me but
0: (laughs) Well, Roddy, the you, the episode you're on, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is uh, our future guest today is was Reba McIntyre. So we we talked to Reba and then now we are so lucky to have you on as well. So we two two musicians, two super talents on on the show today.
4: It's going like this. The show's going like like this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> slowly lifting in the back end. You know
4: what's funny about when we we're in LA with Max is that he like heard some dudes talking behind us about um christy pitch which is a, a place in downtown he's like hey are you canadian and then the guys are like oh we know you uh my cousin worked on your last video or something it was just such this random weird thing but
0: well that's a, one of the things yeah it, it, it
4: was a, it was an awesome night bad story. and uh
0: it's okay it's no, not no, all no, gonna no, be To you guys yeah, they're not all they're not all bangers. <laughs> uh, well, one of the thing is, uh, is is aside from like the the parody songs, is you're also like a, a massively sort of a, a talented and accomplished musician. Rebel Emergency, Most Non Heinous.
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been writing. I guess I have like eight albums with like four different projects. Um, right now, I have like a grunge type thing called Century Surfers, and I'm always doing solo stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's been like, it's a long ass story. My musical career with some weird twists and turns. Um, But I figure like if you have that gift and you're able to actually write melodies and lyrics and music, it's I right when I found out, I could realize that I could do that in like late teens, early twenties. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do this. And if I fail, like I'll fail doing this, you know what I mean? I'm just going to, I kind of did like all the eggs in a basket kind of deal.
1: Hey, I want to know, um, we, you know, you are old friends with Mark Myers. Um, so before we, before we wrap, Oh, like, he's wearing oh, a delivery <laughs> shirt. A picture of Bert. Yeah. He got a delivery shirt. Um, we, we want to know what was uh, Mark like as, as a young person? Like, well, how old were you when you met Mark? I
4: met, I met Mark when he was born. Like, uh, born. <laughs> our parents were friends in high school and ended up buying a house, like five houses apart from each other, basically. So um, uh, like, Mark and his brother Luke were my brothers growing up. Basically, we would hang out every day and we kind of grew up together, hanging out all the time. And Mark's like the nicest, best hearted guy I've ever met in my life. Like, Mm -hmm. and he's been constant from little to today.
1: So he's always been the same. He didn't go through any phases where he was like, you know, an asshole or dark. He's always uh,
4: a super kind of loving, caring dude and uh very honest and mm-hmm. i'm just, i feel super lucky i i like grew up with a guy like that and have been able to keep that friendship you know what i mean it's uh it's pretty awesome
2: have you ever gotten into an argument with him
4: we did once when we were little we didn't talk for a few weeks um ooh thing on the basketball court or or I can't remember, but I remember I was wearing parachute pants, I think, and then he told me, to- <laughs> and then he told me to take off his pants because I was wearing them, and he yelled at me to take them off. And I'm like, I- I'm gonna be in my underwear, like we're in public. And then we didn't talk for a while, but then we reunited, and and we kind of like cried, and we're like, oh, I I love you, like let's never fight again. And you know, <laughs> was-,
2: was this before the pandemic or afterwards? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs>
4: Yeah. No, we were like eight or nine. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> Max, sorry. Uh, I, I know I didn't um, do justice to that that tune. I didn't have time to like learn.
1: No, the- you nailed it. You have a nicer voice than I do too. So I, I was honored. It, you, you did an excellent job.
4: Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's a great it's a great song. It was kind of cool like to learn. Uh, like I watched your acoustic performance and which kind of shows <laughs> off the melody a, a little bit more. Good. Ah, very sh-
1: well, thank you. Okay. Uh I gotta go, guys. Yeah, uh, I know you do.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's the dessert, <laughs> of course.
0: Uh, Roddy, thank you so much for joining us. This was like an awesome surprise. Because also, I just I miss seeing you around. That's one of the things that the that the pandemic has stripped. I mean, you used to always do a residency, like you were every Sunday at the Rivoli, which was right at the street from my place. I used to like popping by there for every every once in a while for uh, your shows. Update on
4: that: we now do it at the Elmo um mm. the last sunday of every month and there's one this sunday uh the 24th and then the next one's november 21st but um uh, it's like taking a step up now we got like some of the best musicians singer songwriters in the city and um we we have a showcase it's hosted by sarah burke who um runs a lot of the, the serious xm channels here and the elmo is unreal now they the, the uh, i haven't
0: seen the the new the new remodel or whatever it's
4: amazing if you want to come by anytime man, i'll put you on the guest list obviously but um, we'll talk about that yeah
0: yeah but it's awesome because for any of our listeners in the Toronto area check out the show at the Elmo so this Sunday I don't know if the Paul will be out but for sure next Sunday right or the the November show
4: unplugged north it's called unplugged you can uh, check check out all the dates and everything check it out uh, yeah. all right thanks again <laughs> I want to get Mac playing that one time that's like top of our list like oh, <laughs> oh there. there we go there.
0: <laughs> you guys can do on the remake of leather the pleather jacket you guys can sing pleather jacket for everybody yeah yeah uh all right guys thank you so much that's it that's all that's your episode thanks so much to Roddy thank you so much to Reba two artists two guests with the arts it's been great uh that's it that's all thanks so much for listening